Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Welcome to our December 8th Reflection on Sunday. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis, and it is an immense blessing and a privilege to join with you today in conversation as we celebrate the lighting of the candle of love. Now, last week, I really didn't address um, what Advent is, and I'd I'd like to take a moment to, to do that. I had a question during... Our, our December 1st Zoom uh, Bible study meeting, What what is my explanation of lighting the Advent candles? What does that mean? What does that represent uh, for me in my faith practice? And I'll, I'll share with you, I was asked a very uh, uh, detailed question in that, uh, do I feel in lighting the Advent candles that I am praying and celebrating individually different images that proclaim the reality of Jesus Christ. Each week, am I just celebrating hope? Am I just celebrating love? Am I just celebrating joy? Am I just celebrating peace? Or am I celebrating how that those lives, lights combined, how they build on each other, how that hope feeds love, that feeds joy, that feeds peace. And my my most judicial, pastoral, political answer that I could give to that question is is yes. I I believe that. I believe both. I, I think that we both practice and celebrate individually how Christ is a new hope, how Christ is a new representative of love, how Christ is a new representative of joy, and how all those things combined together create a peace beyond understanding. And when we light that fifth candle, Emmanuel, God with us, we celebrate the complete embodiment of hope, love, joy, and peace in the identity of Jesus Christ. So let's continue our Advent journey today as we move into this candle of love and as we move into this candle of love, I have to share with you, this is probably the third time in as many months that I've used 1 Corinthians 13 as scripture for our sermon. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm moving into this conversation today with the same level of wonderment and and excitement that I do as I move into our Christmas Eve sermon. I'll share with you that in in a previous appointment at a different church, I used to have conversations with our office administrator, and uh, she always had the question, "How how do you come up with something else to say on Christmas Eve? How do you come up with something else to talk about as you share the Christmas story? Uh, do do you at times become robotic and and 
passive and lazy that that you just share a sermon that you've already used because how many different ways can you share that the Messiah that has been waited for has been born? How many different ways can you explain and express the the journey of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem? And I today I celebrate it just as much as I celebrate how I get to pray through a new way to tell the Christmas story. Uh, today I'm excited to share a new way to talk about what love is. And over time, we have talked this year on these videos about the Greek words of love. And over time, we've on these videos, we've talked about the necessity of an active love, of being the hands and feet and the verb of love and going out. But today, I, I get to do it another way, another exciting way. Because as much as we have life experience, it affects the way we celebrate love. And as much as the different ways that I share the Christmas story, it is the life experience that we live in the moment that shapes and flavors the way to present one more year how Mary and Joseph journeyed to Bethlehem so that the Redeemer of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, could be born in a manger, meek and mild. It's our life experiences that shape that. It's our life experiences that shape the way that we celebrate love. I want to read to you a quote. And I there's two people I quote. And, and you already know... You're already guessing maybe who it's going to be. It's normally Harry Chapin or it's another person, my favorite Presbyterian minister, excuse me, Mr. Fred Rogers. Today I am going to celebrate Fred Rogers. And as we look at this statement, I want to talk about what love is as we talk about what love isn't. And there's so many ways that we've done that over time. We've talked about Galatians chapter 5, and we've looked at 19 through 21, and we've talked about what grace isn't. And we've looked at verses 22 through 23 and talked about the fruits of grace and talked about what grace is. But today we're going to talk about what love isn't as we talk about also the way that life and living flavors our celebration of love. Here's the quote. Love isn't, isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right then and right now. And I want to read it again. And I'll probably read it three or four more times as we go through. But love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. The way we look at love is very much flavored 
on the way that we live and deal with our current times. And it's very much the way that we live and deal with our current needs and our current expectations. When we look at life for the reality that it is within the moment, look at the ways that our dear friends struggle and fight and and drag themselves through the mud pits of living and contend with living. Love is contending with living. I've shared this narrative, this explanation before, and I'm I'm sure I will again, and I'm sure I've had at least twice in these videos since we started recording everything that we do here on December, on March the 16th, excuse me. I There's a joke that's going on on Facebook and Instagram right now, and it, it says, welcome to December 31st, welcome to December 1st, or as we call it, late March. <laughs> This whole year has just been the same day every day and uh, everything that we've been dealing with is stretched and stretched that it all bleeds together. But that's a part of living too. But the quote, back to the quote that I wanted to share with you, it's it's the Mickey Dolan's quote that, that I hold on to so dearly. And Mickey Dolan's was asked in an interview if he believed in God. And Mickey Dolan's response back was, um, he doesn't believe in God as a noun, as, as, a, as a proper noun, but he believes in God as a verb, and God is a living and moving and interaction with others, and what it means to be with others in very specific places, at very specific times, and be the active caregivers or the ears sitting and listening the living, active God that we need to have in our daily struggles. That's what I think about when I hear this stroke and so this quote, and it's what I want us to talk about today. Love is about being on a journey with other people, and love is about how that we take that journey, that we contend with everything that is being struggled with as we contend with the feelings and the hurts and the emotions that individuals deal with. And as we try to take the face of Jesus Christ to those places. I love this part of it. And to love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and right now. I want to take a moment to talk about some of the things that we contend with as people of faith that I never thought we would. And uh, this is where I walk the razor-thin tightrope and address things that that may or may not be comfortable for. So there's your, uh, your uh, rating warning. Our conversation is about to become PG-13. In my life of faith development, and it may be a culturalism uh, where where my faith development began. It may be denominationalism where my faith development began. Or it may just be that the world has changed so much. There is so much that we contend with as people of faith that I never thought that people of faith would contend with it 
but when I look at the world and the world environment, I don't know how that we, as people of faith, can't deal with it. And let's let's process it as I break through some of these things. Let's let's talk about politics for a minute, and how that we over this time, and as I've looked at our our culture as United Methodists, living in this Wesleyan. A lifestyle of interacting with the world using John Wesley's words, the world is my parish. How that we have begun to have voices and political issues, political needs, and and talk about what it means to take the face of Jesus Christ to places of the political realm. I never, I never thought I would do that as a person of faith as my faith life developed as a 15, 16, 17-year-old attending worship in, in my hometown. Church was very much about talking about what Jesus Christ does for us. It's the path of salvation. And every sermon was leading towards that big altar call at the end and talking about people coming to find their place in the kingdom of heaven and how to build our place in the kingdom of heaven, how to be the active love who goes out and and shares the gospel, how to be the active love who goes out and be caregivers. And everything had this heavenly focus to it on what it means as we go out and we do mission projects, as we go out and care for the greater community about putting stones in the crowns of heaven That was the conversation that I remember having. There was so much based on the heavenly realm that the earthly realm was something that we should stay away from. It uh, so much quoting Paul about focusing our affections on things of of heaven instead of things below. And within doing that, the political conversation didn't matter because the focus was on the heavenly realm. But now here I am as a United Methodist, as a United Methodist pastor. I, if I, my Christian life started at 14, we're talking about 32 years later of being, interacting and looking at the world. And I find myself having the conversation, I, I can't so much focus on the heavenly realm without bringing Christ to the conversations of the things on earth. I began to look at the Lord's Prayer so much differently. And when we get to this part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, uh, the have on earth as it is in heaven, to create on earth as it is in heaven, there's this challenge within it. Instead of looking towards the heavenly realm, as this place that we're striving to move to and get to, we are actually looking at what it means to create the heavenly realm here on earth. And to do that, we we look at the ignored and the oppressed and the pushed aside, and we talk about what it means to bring Christ's image, the active love, to that conversation. And without voicing candidates because I do believe in the separation of of the nonprofit church and 
the state. I, I believe that I, I should not say vote for blah, blah, blah. That, that's not my place. But it is my place to address where I see injustice overrunning where we should be creating our heaven on earth, our peace on earth, taking the act of love to share to needs of homelessness. That is definitely a political issue. It's an issue that we address in many ways here at North Coast United Methodist Church. As we look at people who are hungry and we talk about what does it mean? How, how can we, as the American culture that has so much, have people that need so much? I, I get called to have that conversation. And within having that conversation, it's what it means to have that active love. That active conversation of what it means to, to strive to accept the person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. The active noun-like struggle. There's so many people who are struggling at this moment. And every time that I see a referendum that requires some action, it becomes my responsibility as a pastor living within this act of love to not say, you know, vote for uh, Proposition 37, but it becomes my responsibility to say, hey, I see this need of homelessness and this is what it means to us as people of faith. I see this need of 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 small businesses struggling to stay open, and this is what it means to us as people of faith. I see this global environmental need of making sure that we have a sustainable planet for the people of our future. And I began to talk about Genesis, about being the caregivers of God's creation, and we begin to have those political conversations, but it's through the act of love of taking care of what we've been given. It's about having, in John Wesley's words, the world as our parish. There's other things that we address here at North Coast United Methodist Church that, that brings me great joy, and it's things that I never thought that would be addressed, especially if I look at where I started. I never contemplated the conversation of LGBTQIA inclusion as a necessity because for me, growing up, everybody had a place in the kingdom of God and you prayed it through. But as we look at the necessity of building uh, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, we realize that there's been so many times if we look at other faith practices, other denominational theologies, um, there's individuals who have been forcefully excluded from the table of grace. And when that people are forcefully excluded from the table of grace, someone has to talk about where that seat is. And it becomes a conversation of not just assuming that everyone knows that there's a place for them, but we also have to address that there's people that have been told there's not. And we have to go out and repair that misguided statement. We have to go out and make the statement loud and boldly that there is a place at the table for people who feel excluded. As we look at this statement once again, 
love isn't a state of perfect caring because we all stumble over ourselves. It's that state of imperfect caring where we make the mistakes sometimes. And we either pray through them and see the way to repair them, or we keep living in the mistakes and then it becomes someone else's responsibility to repair them. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like a struggle. It's a fight. It's the willingness. It's the desire to be the one crawling out of the mud pits. The person holding a hand out to pull others out of the mud pit. To show other people that there is a place at the table. And now here's the one that stands out. Because I'll share with you. And this is my fault. This isn't a denominational misteaching. This is my fault. When I was younger, I had this idea that there was a cookie cutter image of what it means to be a good Christian. And I'm going to share with you, gang, it's there's not. There's not. Every Christian doesn't look like the Apostle Paul. Every Christian doesn't look like the pastor in the front row. Every Christian doesn't do the same thing and act the same way and go to the same mission projects. I mean, if we look at the varying of gifts that the Apostle Paul talks about, and we talk about that some people have the gift of prophecy and some people have the gift of speaking tongues and some people have the gift of interpreting tongues. It's, it's this reality that the, even the Apostle Paul points out, we're not all the same, but we are fueled by the same Spirit. And when we live within our response of answering the call of that same spirit, we become the caregivers in ways that, yes, sometimes others may unintentionally or intentionally say things that make people feel excluded from the kingdom, that we become the voices of people that remind them that there is a place at the table. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. When I think about our calling to go out, to be in this active struggle, that is love, I think about the foundation of what became the United Methodist Church, because there was an active struggle within John Wesley as he decided to send Asbury and Coke to the American colonies to dispense communion. John Wesley, being a loyalist, had his idea about the way things should be, loyal to the king. And he didn't understand why the people in the American colonies would want to be separate from that care. He didn't understand why people in the American colonies would want to, to separate themselves from, from that leadership. That was very much a political thing for John Wesley. But he was able to set aside his own political opinion and even working within the active struggle of love, decided to set aside how he politically felt to open the doors of grace for people to receive communion. The people in the American colonies did not want to take Holy Communion from the Church of England because he didn't want anything to do with the king. So he sends Asbury and Coke over in a very political move, begins to dispense Holy Communion in a new name and a new act and a new 
way of following faith and open a table for grace for people who he disagreed with so that they could see that they still have a place at the table of grace. It's John Wesley's struggle politically that made United Methodism what it could be. I want us to think about that because love is an active struggle. And it's us saying, okay, I'll put these feelings aside to show an individual their place at the table of grace. It's the willingness of saying, you know, it may be this cookie cutter image for me, but other people don't fit that cookie cutter. And I have to admit that even the Apostle Paul points out that there is differences and variances in the interaction with faith so much to the extent that we need to begin to have conversations about things that we may have disagreed with so that we can celebrate them and show our dear friends the place at the table. John Wesley, just like dealing with the political things, that loving struggle, those political things I never thought that I would talk about as a faith leader, but I have to because it's a struggle in people's lives and it's my calling to to show people where Jesus Christ is in their struggles. And even this this conversation of LGBTQIA+, and unfortunately it's become a conversation of who can love who, and my answer to that is we can love everyone because God loves everyone. And I even look at the conversations of the Apostle Paul and the variance of gifts, and the variance of interactions with God, and what it means to say, you know, yeah, this is the way that I do it, and this is the way that that person does it, and this is the way that that person does it, and we're all inspired by the Holy Spirit through that process, and we all have a place at the table of grace because of it. Difference is not bad. A cookie cutter only challenges us to look at the world the way that we see it. But when we tear the box down and look at the variant gifts that the Apostle Paul talked about, we can look at a world of potentials and even growth within ourselves because we're willing to look at other people through the places that they are. We are willing to, as Fred Rogers shares, to love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and right now. That is what love is. That is what love is. Thank you for kind of bearing with me as as I've discussed this. I think this Bible study today was more of a conversation within myself than a conversation for the greater community, but maybe that you'll see places that you're struggling, comprehending, within yourself through this and maybe you'll see places that you need to grow through this conversation and maybe you see places that you should celebrate because you are on this active struggle and you just need to be a reminder keep on struggling keep on doing it keep on struggling with love because the more that we struggle with love the more we change and the more we struggle with love the more people we begin to see that we need to love. Thank you for 
letting me sit here and talk to myself for 30 minutes and hopefully that it it has some impact for you as well. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. God is love. Amen. We'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.